Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Here we go. Week two, the Miami Dolphins taking on the Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. It's time to preview the game. And I think we can all safely say that if the Dolphins win this game, that, that'll that be the real Miami miracle. Like, I think the Dolphins winning this game would be a bigger miracle than pulling that game out of the air that they did towards the end of last season. Would, would you agree with that? Oh, certainly. And uh, Vegas would agree with that. Uh, last I checked, we're we're a 19-point home underdog. And when you consider that, that three points kind of go to the home team, if it's a neutral field game, then, you know, no points take, you know, exchange hands. And then if it's, you know... Three points either way. It's really a six-point swing. So Vegas believes that the Patriots are 25 points better than the Miami Dolphins going into this game. And honestly, I don't know that they're not 35 points better. Well, is that is that a bad thing for the Dolphins? That Vegas thinks so lowly of us? I don't know if it's a bad thing. I just, you know, I'm just using that as kind of a reference point to answer your question about will it be a miracle if the if the Dolphins manage to win this game? I, I think it would be a miracle if this ended up being a close game in the fourth quarter, let alone winning it. I just don't see how it's going to happen. But I mean, we'll we'll break it down a little bit, uh, and we'll kind of go over what the recipe would be to to keeping the game close and what the Dolphins need to do to to try to stay competitive in this one. But ugh, this is <laughs> this is a this is a rough one. Especially on the heels of, of what happened in week one. I mean <laughs> with the Dolphins getting trounced by Baltimore by 49 and the Patriots winning by 30 against Pittsburgh a team that is expected to challenge for a playoff spot, this does not bode well. Well, I've always heard that on any given Sunday, any NFL team could beat any other NFL team. Did you hear that from Al Pacino? Listen, I just, I, I, I this is this is the rumor. I can't uh, say necessarily that it is a uh, a rumor that has any substance to it, but it is a rumor that I have heard is that any given Sunday. Anything can happen out on the football field. You know, perhaps, perhaps, uh, you know, there's a, there's a chance that Ted Karras won't take care of his swamp ass and Tom Brady will have, will be, will be receiving slippery footballs from his center. And, and, you know, the art, the athletic did a whole article about how Tom Brady doesn't like to, stick his hands into a swampy butt when he's, you know, under center. Yeah, I mean, does anybody, does anybody like to stick their hands into a swampy butt? That That is a fair question. It's a fair question. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't, maybe this is, maybe that's 
the secret to his woes in in South Florida. He struggles it's- in Miami because no matter what he does, no matter how much talcum powder, no matter how many towels he shoves down his center's pants, these guys sweat right through it in the Miami heat. I believe it. I mean, I I spent days working in a in a hot kitchen. You were you were a you you can say pretty securely that you've you've been around the block with a swampy butt. I have, and I look whether it's the talcum powder or the or the gold bond or or whatever you know some of these creams. Uh, you know, you do what you can to to stay dry down there but i mean when it's when it's darn near 100 degrees and it's humid and and i'm not talking they're wearing you know you know long pants and they got pads on and they, all that weight and they're tagging they're you know grinding up against you know big 300 pound guys and they're battling every single play i mean it's got to be a pretty it's got to be a bad situation down there. It's pretty swampy. It's bit, you know, they it's the Everglades. Well, it at is. any rate, at any rate, we've we've figured it out. We've gotten to the bottom of it thanks to uh, Nick Underhill and his uh his this is the uh, this is the title of his column from a couple days ago uh in the Athletic. How do you avoid the swamp ass? Tom Brady does it by sticking a towel down his center's pants. That's the title of the column in the athletic. This is why, this is why you gotta, you gotta fork over the, the big bucks to subscribe to the athletic for, for quality content about Tom Brady's disdain for swamp ass. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. We'll, we'll actually get into, uh, I guess the nuts and bolts of the football game here in a second, but we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Minka Fitzpatrick, who, is as I'm sure you've heard by now, uh, requesting a trade. He's he and his agent are are talking to teams um, about potential trade away from Miami. Minka Fitzpatrick, apparently one of the players. We, you'll you'll recall after the game last week, we there were reports that Dolphins players were unhappy with the situation in Miami, and they they were requesting trades out of town. Minka Fitzpatrick is apparently one of those guys, and the word on the street. At least, you know, this is what it sounds like, is that he's just not happy with how he's being used defensively in Flores' scheme. Flores is, you know, bringing that same mindset that he had in New England, where everybody on the defense is being put in many different positions. So Minka's playing, uh, you know, he's in, he's at slot corner and he's at free safety and he's playing a little bit of linebacker and they're moving him around and it's sort of these defensive players are are not even they're not really uh tethered to one position or or to one player they're sort of all over the place and that's part of what Flores does and and Minka is really struggling with this apparently and he just wants to play his position he's a natural free safety that's what he wants to do and he's not getting the opportunity to do that so he's like he wants to get out of town and the dolphins have said, okay, you can go and look for a trade. And uh, according to reports, the Dallas Cowboys have been in contact with the dolphins about a potential trade for Minka. The dolphins apparently are asking for a first rounder for him. 
Uh, but in the in his press conference today, Coach Flores said that he uh, he is making plans to go forward with Mika Fitzpatrick. He believes that the uh, relationship between the team and Minka is not beyond repair. He says that he thinks it is a salvageable situation. Um, and Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, for his part said that he is not wanting to talk about the tra- the fact that he's looking for trade. He's just looking to focus on the game on Sunday and he wants to do his best against the New England Patriots. And that's sort of where he's at. And it, so it, it brings up, you know, some questions that Minka Fitzpatrick wants out. Is it just a matter of this is a guy who doesn't like this new system and therefore he's not a, he's not a fit in the system. And, you know, just like some of these other players, the Dolphins have cut. And if, if he's not going to fit in the system, the Dolphins are better off moving on from him anyway. Or is this a situation where it's something a bit more serious? Because this is something that, uh, you know, I've heard people saying things to this effect that maybe Brian Flores is creating a situation in his own locker room that perhaps there is, it's a mess. Perhaps he is losing the locker room two weeks into the season. Brian, I, I, I need you to make some sense of this for us. First off, first off, start with this. How do you feel about the fact that Fitzpatrick is requesting a trade? Obviously you don't love it. Uh, you come into this season and you don't really have too many parts to this team where, where you feel like these are guys that you're going to build around. And Minka Fitzpatrick is one of those few pieces that you felt really good about going into the season. And he's young. He's not even in the prime of his career. He's just kind of scratching the surface of the kind of player that he could be after a really good rookie year. And after one week, we're hearing that he wants to get out and he's requesting a trade or downright demanding a trade and now has the permission of the team to seek it out. Uh, it's not a great situation. It really isn't. Um, so I don't love that. That said, I did make the, the point last week, uh, you know, at, when the, when the first story broke about, multiple players reaching out to their agents trying to request a trade. And I said, look, there's probably only one guy on this team that's untradeable right now as far as like we, you really shouldn't even be considering trading him. And that was Xavier Howard. Minka Fitzpatrick is not Xavier Howard. He's not a shutdown corner. Uh, and he's not, uh, an established all pro that's, you know, one of the top three, four, five guys at his position. Now, Minka Fitzpatrick has the potential to be a very special defensive player and an all pro, but he's not there yet. And so look, Laramie Tunsil had a price. Minka Fitzpatrick has a price. So if, if he doesn't want to be here, I don't have any problem with trading him as long as you get good value back for him but the real issue that this brings up to me is not a locker room thing it's not it's not any of that it comes back to a couple weeks into training camp a couple weeks into training camp tj mcdonald was banged up rashad jones was banged up and the dolphins decided to play minka fitzpatrick a lot of reps predominantly at strong safety that week. 
and uh, beat reporters were noticing that he was having a really rough week with the with the adjustment. So much so that they, uh, I believe it was Omar Kelly, tweeted about it, saying something to the effect of not to be the bearer of bad news, but Minka Fitzpatrick is having a really rough go at it of it at practice. And Minka Fitzpatrick's parents who have a joint Twitter account tweeted back at him, basically saying he's being played out of position. He's not a strong safety. Uh, he's being used in a, in a manner that, while it may be best for the team is not best utilizing his skill set and these are the results basically and that's where we're at now and it, it what it just reminds me of is after I, I believe it was going into the third week uh the third preseason game or maybe it was right after the third preseason game one of the first cuts that the Miami Dolphins made were was TJ McDonald a strong safety. And he's, you know, some people said, well, maybe it was injury related because he was coming off of an injury, but apparently he's healthy and he's trying out for the Raiders and he may be getting signed by the Oakland Raiders to go play there and fill in for the, for the injured rookie, uh, Jonathan Abram. So if he was healthy, I mean, we saved $1.4 million by not keeping TJ McDonald. And if all it was going to take to keep Minka Fitzpatrick happy was keeping TJ McDonald so that Minka Fitzpatrick can play his slot corner, occasionally free safety, occasionally perimeter corner, if all it was going to take was keeping TJ McDonald, well, why the hell did we cut TJ McDonald? Because it was a head-scratching move when we made it, and now you're watching it all blow up in your face because now one of your stars on defense or your prospective stars on defense is unhappy because of the way he's being used. And it all basically goes back to the fact that we cut TJ McDonald. And it's just like, I, I just don't get it. And I think that, you know, in the past, we have chastised this organization for not having foresight in... Uh, in, in the way they deal with their, with their free agency and their draft picks and their overall handling of the roster year to year, uh, because it seems like they're always in win now mode and they don't have any foresight. And we've kind of lauded them for having the foresight to say, look, we're not going to get tied down into any real long term bad contracts, we're going to shed contracts, we're going to tank, we're going to try to, you know, get a bunch of draft picks, go as young as possible, and if we end up with the number one pick in the in the draft, then we are in great shape to build this thing with the number one pick and all these draft picks, and I wonder if we haven't gone too far in the opposite direction to where we've gone so far that we're losing a great player and it's not because we're bad. 
It's not because all reports are, it's not because we're losing and we're bad and Minka Fitzpatrick doesn't want to be part of a rebuild, which, because let's face it, as a second year player, you, you kind of have, you got to have some balls to be stepping up on your rookie deal and say, Oh, I don't want to be part of a rebuild. That's a veteran move. That's not what happened here. He's pissed off because he's being, in his mind, misused. And, it's just if if all it comes down to is we should have just had it, we could just have another strong safety. Well, then one, we probably shouldn't have cut T.J. McDonald, and two, we'll just go out and fucking sign a free safety. You're signing these offensive linemen off the scrap heap left and right, and you don't really seem it doesn't really seem to matter if they're good or not. So let's just throw a couple of uh, you know a couple of non guaranteed contracts at some scrub strong safeties that are out there, just so Minka Fitzpatrick you know doesn't have to play strong safety. And if that's like you know is it the worst thing in the world to appease him? You know, if he's not a strong safety, he's not a strong safety. And I get it. Brian Flores wants everybody to be a team player and he wants everybody to be versatile and all this stuff. But at some point, when you've got really good players, you gotta, you gotta bend a little bit to make them happy. And so this is again, like I said, uh, who was it that came out, uh, I guess it was a couple weeks ago I, I said something about, you know, somebody was unhappy uh, after, you know, they, there was something in Twitter about somebody saying, oh, people are afraid to say something, to speak up in the locker room because they're afraid that they're going to be the next one's cut, something like that. And we, we talked about how, you know, if that kind of story came out when Adam Gase was here, we'd be killing Adam Gase. Uh but at the beginning of Adam Gase's tenure here, we just kind of overlooked it. And this is just another mental note here in the Brian Flores, in the early part of the Brian Flores regime, that maybe he's being a little bit too much of a hard ass because, uh, you know, he, he may he may be losing the locker room over these small, over these decisions that at the end of the day are not all hugely important decisions like cutting, uh, TJ McDonald. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, you, you are presented with the unique opportunity that because we are a tanking team, uh, we have no, we, you know, we, we don't really care if we win this year or not. So, they don't necessarily need to just bend over backwards to make Minka Fitzpatrick happy. If the, if they they want to implement their system and they want people to completely buy in, and if somebody's you know gonna gonna fight them on that, then they're in the unique position to truly clean house so that they can build the foundation that they want and implement the system that they want with the players they want that are going to truly buy in. So I get it from their perspective, but it's just like if all it was going to take was keeping TJ McDonald or if all it's going to take is throwing, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars at a, a strong safety off the scrap heap, let's just fucking do it. And get our, you know, and and have our a guy that we thought was going to be here for a decade and be a you know a part of uh, uh, of the plan of us eventually winning a Super Bowl, so we can have him back as part as the as part of the plan. Yeah, I, I mean, I can tell you're 
pretty passionate about it because you dropped a couple f bombs there. It was it a couple? I, I caught the last yeah, it was one. A, it was certainly, <laughs> it was certainly a couple. Um, Sorry, I mean, it, you know, listen, look, you're fired up. It's I, okay. Look, look, I don't care that we're tanking. I'm I'm pro tank. I want the number one pick, and I don't care if we go out and we lose by forty points. But if there's a way to salvage a relationship with a player that has this much potential and all it takes is getting a strong safety off the scrap heap. I mean, that's a really small price to pay. And so, so to me at at this point, if, if that's all it takes and you're unwilling to do it in my mind, that's dumb. Now it look, if you get a, to me, a first round pick by itself is not great value. For me, if it's, it's certainly not if it's the Dallas Cowboys. If it's a good football team, look, we we used the the number what eleven pick. Yeah, he was the eleventh. He was the eleventh pick in the draft. Yeah, I mean, short of getting the number eleven pick back, you, you got to say you're you're you you obviously lost value there. But the truth is, is that. Mika Fitzpatrick right now is worth more than the number 11 pick because you know that he is a really good player. And yes, he's, yes, he's you know he's a very good player and you are not in any rush to move him because you, you listen, the, the Dolphins aren't going to be having in a position where they need to pay him a lot of money for another several years here. Um, he, he's, he's locked in on a rookie contract. It's not like they're, it's not like they're paying him a lot of money right now. I think, you know, it's, there's no, so there's really no pressure to move him. If Flores thinks that's a salvageable relationship, you know, what, one of the things that I heard somebody speculate about, and, and I think there may be something to it, is that it was something of a goodwill gesture from the Dolphins to give him permission to seek a trade because they're trying to do what they can to appease him because they have interest in keeping him. And they're, they're certainly not in a position where they would need to move him. So it'll be interesting to see how things happen. Listen, as I said last week on the show or in, in the Ravens recap, as I've said on Twitter, people are overreacting to one football game. And granted, I know Minka was unhappy with being played in several different positions over the course of last season as well. Um, and now it's happened one week here in the regular season and it's happened throughout the, the preseason. But I think it needs... I think it needs a little bit more time to settle and and let's see how things go uh, this Sunday and and maybe if he's if he's still with us a little bit longer. I think the Dolphins are going to do everything in their power to hold on to him as long as they can um, for purposes of trying to salvage the relationship and or making sure that they're getting at least some some good value for him in return for trade. You know, it's just like the Tunsil thing. They're not going to move him until a deal is too good to pass up. Um, now, should that happen, then the Dolphins are in this weird situation where two of Chris Greer's three biggest draft picks for the Dolphins are gone because in Laramie Tunsil and Mega Fitzpatrick. And then all you've got left is Christian Wilkins. And, and then at that point, you've got Chris Greer, who's deferring all of his player personnel, uh, decisions to Brian Flores anyway. What is Chris Greer doing? Chris Greer, it might be time to say goodbye to Chris Greer, but at any rate, I don't want to I don't want to spend too much more time on that topic because at this point it's all speculation. We've we've talked about it a little bit and and we got to get to this football game on Sunday. I'll let you have the last word on it. I I don't really need the last. I mean, I I feel like I said everything that I need to say 
about this this situation. All I will say is, as far as what Brian Flores had to say about thinking that it's still a salvageable relationship, I'm not going to call him a liar, but what else is he going to say? He's not going to go out there That's and true. say, oh, this, he's not going to go out there and say, uh, oh, yeah, this, this relationship is past the breaking point. Uh, we just need to part ways because that's that's telling everybody that the Dolphins have to trade him and that's just going to lower uh, his trade values. Uh, <laughs> Brian Flores, he's a coach. He's going to give you coach speak. That's absolutely the correct answer to the question. Whether or not it's true, who, who the hell knows? All right, let's move on to Sunday. Let's look on to this game. Dolphins, Patriots. The Dolphins lost 59 to 10 at home to the Baltimore Ravens. The New England Patriots defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers at home 33 to 3. The Patriots shut down the Pittsburgh Steelers and scored 33 points on the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that probably nobody sees going to the Super Bowl, but that I'm sure is in the conversation as a playoff team in the AFC. The Patriots go from the Steelers to what is the consensus worst team in the National Football League, your Miami Dolphins. Brain, I'm going to put it to you this way. We know that in all likelihood, the way the Dolphins win this game is they have to play their very best game and hope that the Patriots play their very worst game. And then even still... They're going to need to do more work in order to find a way to defeat the New England Patriots. So tell me, what on earth needs to happen? What could possibly happen that might see your Miami Dolphins come out of Sunday's game against the Patriots victorious? We need the swampiest of swamp asses on that that whole Patriots offensive line. Uh, we need wet balls, uh, and wet footballs as well. And we need, we need bad weather. Do we need Ryan Fitzpatrick to turn into Eli Manning? Couldn't hurt. Eli Manning's got, got his number. Um, no, but, but what we need is we need, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick to have one of those games. Uh, where the, you know, where he, he just kind of makes all the throws Lights and kind of throws for 450 just, yards. Yeah. I mean, cause I just don't know how we're going to like, it's bad enough that we're a bad team and we have no talent. I mean, we have very little talent. I don't want to say we have no talent, but we have very little talent, but you add on to that Rashad Jones aside from Xavier Howard was our only other player in the secondary that performed any kind of decent in week one. He's out for this one. Uh, the Patriots now have an, uh, a wide receiver trio of Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, and Julian Edelman. Is that good? Uh, th- that is the best receiving core that they've had. That might be a better trio than they had when they were going undefeated back in 2007. Is that the Randy Moss season? That's Randy Moss and Wes Welker. And I'm trying to remember who the, who their other receiver was on that, on that roster. 
who their number two outside guy was. Um, I believe at that time they probably still had uh, Gronk and and Aaron Hernandez. No, I I don't I don't know if Gronk was on that team. Um, but but yeah, this is the best receiving core for sure since that Randy Moss uh, core with with Wes Welker, and it might even be better. And the Dolphins lose one of their primary pieces in the secondary, and then meanwhile their other. You know, Xavier Howard's going to do his thing on the edge. That's great. And then they've got this whole drama with Minka Fitzpatrick, who played terribly in week one when he was, you know, clearly frustrated and not happy with the way that he was being used. And there were all these blown assignments. Uh, Bobby McCain, uh, I don't know if he's going to play in this one. It's just... (laughs) We're already thin back there, and we're getting worse, and we're going up against... A team with the best, you know, aerial weapons that we that we could possibly go up against, and then on the other side of the ball, we already have a bad offensive line, and Julian Davenport now gets injured in practice, and we have no idea who we're starting at the other tackle spot. Uh, you know, it's just it's just an absolute absolute mess right now. For the Miami Dolphins, uh, as they're trying to implement an offensive system, they're trying to implement a defensive system. The talent isn't there, and now what little talent they have is getting injured. And meanwhile, the Patriots look like they're already in midseason form. Now, what I will say about the New England Patriots is that uh, look, they they had their season opener against the against the Steelers at home. They get a road game against the Dolphins, and I'm sure that they've heard from the local media as well as the national media about how they've struggled in Miami, but I'm sure that they also realize that this Miami team is quite possibly historically bad and that they're 20-point favorites going into this game. And so it's it's going to be very natural for them to maybe not come out as motivated because they might just feel like they've got themselves a cakewalk. And then the following week, they get a home game against the Jets, another rivalry game, but a team that is expected to be at least potentially in the conversation for making the playoffs. Personally, I don't think the Jets are going to be anywhere close to making the playoffs, but from a talent perspective, they, they've got the talent to be in the conversation. So it's possible that this is a trap game for the New England Patriots and that we catch them overlooking us. They get a little sloppy. And if the Dolphins can just play a disciplined football game, not beat themselves with penalties, not blow a bunch of coverages and give up a bunch of big plays, then maybe they can hang around and get a couple of turnovers, get a big play on special teams, get a big play on a, you know, some, somewhere on the offense where maybe, uh, you know, Devontae Parker goes up there and, 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 you know, fights for a ball or we get something on a, on a, on a run to, to Kenyon Drake. You know, we've got to, we get like a jet sweep from, from Jakeem Grant or something like that to, to get us some sort of chunk plays. And maybe we've got a chance, but really this has blowout written all over it. It's going to take so much 
going Miami's way for them to even be in this game, for it to even be close, that I just don't. And and I don't think New England's going to overlook them because I do believe that New England is aware that, look, you got Brian Flores and you got O'Shea and you got a couple of other coaches that are that that were from New England last year that the Patriots have really struggled. You got that whole Miami miracle still fresh in their memory from revenge. last season. They want revenge. I, I do believe that they that revenge is going to play a little bit of a factor here and as we've seen from the Patriots in the past, especially if they're looking for revenge, uh I don't I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots want to run the score up in this one. So I I've got the Patriots, like, I I don't, I mean, you could break down the matchups about how it's going to be very difficult for Miami to stop uh, Kyle Van Noy and, and Dante Hightower coming off the edge. They also have to account for, for Michael Bennett. Uh, the, the Patriots, probably because this Dolphins offensive line is in shambles, you're probably going to see them dropping seven, eight, maybe even nine guys into coverage, and they're still probably going to be able to get pressure with two th- or three guys, which is just going to be a disaster, and it's a uh, turnover waiting to happen, as not only do they have a great front seven, but they also have one of the best secondaries in the league, uh with Stephon Gilmore and Devin McCourty and Patrick Chung back there. Uh, this is arguably the best Patriots defense since back in their first dynasty when they won three out of the four Super Bowls back when they had guys like, you know, Ted, uh, uh, not, uh, when they had, you know, McGinnis, Willie McGinnis and what was his name? Ted Johnson and Richard Seymour and all those guys. This is probably the best defense they've had since then. Might even be better than that defense. And the Dolphins have no offensive line. Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Albert Wilson's been ruled out for this game. They just held James Conner to 21 yards rushing last week. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a problem. We're gonna struggle to run the ball, and I don't know how we're gonna pass into the teeth of that defense. It it's just got blowout written all over it. Yeah, it's bad. They don't even have Rob Gronkowski to stick back there to sort of handicap themselves. It's 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 a bad deal here for for the Dolphins. It's going to be a rough rough day. By the way, I I went and looked it up. It was Dante Stallworth and Jabbar Gaffney, the two other receivers. Yeah, Stallworth a pretty solid, uh, you know, second outside receiver. So I would say this is a very comparable uh, receiving core. What I'll say is though. Um, with Edelman, you've probably got one of the preeminent, you know, top two or three slot receivers in the league. Antonio Brown, widely regarded as, you know, the best receiver in the league. And Josh Gordon, a guy who, from a talent perspective, is widely regarded as like a top five receiving talent, a guy who led the league in receiving yards the last time he played a full season. So. This could be the better. This could be a better receiving. You court. think this is Probably the Patriots talent- team that goes eighteen and zero, wins the Super Bowl? It's got all the makings, but I don't think it's going to happen. Hmm. Uh, it, it wouldn't shock me, but it's just it's just really hard to do. And even that Patriots team had some close calls along the way. Not many, uh, but they had some close calls along the way, and I think that. 
since that season had transpired and then they went they went a a pretty long time without winning the Super Bowl again. I think that they the last few years they've put more of an emphasis on just getting better week to week with their eyes on winning the Super Bowl than they really care about going undefeated. Um and I think that to do that to go undefeated I think it really needs to be something that that you want to do. Uh, so I, I, I think it's really hard to do. I think, look, if there's a team that can do it, it I'm not going to be surprised if they do it. But uh, I'm going to – right now, I'm going to say that they're not going to do it. But they, they're, they're probably a more – they're probably a better team than that team, though, because that team didn't have a great defense. That team won all their games on offense, but – this team also has a much older Tom Brady. So is this Tom Brady going to be able to chuck it 50, 60 yards uh, on these deep patterns like the Tom Brady in 2007 was to Randy Moss? Yeah, but he doesn't need to. I don't to. know. He doesn't need to. Well, he doesn't need to, but but I mean, th- the reason that offense was so prolific was because they could they could score from anywhere on the field. And I don't think that this Patriots team is like that. And I think that this Patriots team is probably going to go through some stretches where it kind of struggles to put some drives together. But I will say that this Patriots team is more well-equipped to handle that happening because this Patriots team has a much better defense than that Patriots team ever had. All right. All right. Listen, we're turning into a Patriots podcast here. So let's let's get off of these guys and let's just find something that we can look forward to in this game. I think the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing Xavier Howard matched up with Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon in turns in this game and seeing how he fares against those two receivers and if he can find a way to shut them down. Um, Xavier Howard always seems to have an interception in his back pocket when he's up against Tom Brady. So Hopefully that is true again this weekend. I'm hoping that the Dolphins can find a way to get uh, Kenyon Drake a bit more involved in the offense. I think he only had six touches in that game against Baltimore, so I hope that they can do more to get him involved this week and that they can can figure out a way to get the offense going against this tough New England defense. Um, I'm just going to be hopeful. That we're going to see some good matchups and, and we'll, we'll see some players on this team shine that Jerome Baker will have a good game and, and make some plays that we'll see some improvement out of Sam Aguavin, uh, this week. He had a little bit of a rough game last week and, you know, maybe some of these guys on the offensive line will get it together this week. Obviously losing Julian Davenport doesn't help, but I hate Tank Caradine is coming back. Tank Carradine's been re-signed by the Dolphins, um, so he's going to be oh, right. In there. There's another injury because Jonathan Ledbetter, right? Jonathan hurt. Ledbetter is out. So listen, there's going to be guys in there. All I'm hoping for is to see some improvement one way or the other. And honestly, you know, when we're talking about this team and what counts as a a victory for this team, I think if the Dolphins can get through this game and lose it by even you know obviously you you want them to figure out a way to win the game but if they if they end up falling short they end up losing the game and they lose it by less than two scores i think that's a big step forward i mean obviously depending on the style of it you know I, if the dolphins score a garbage time touchdown to pull within two scores at the end okay 
But, uh, you know, I think if the Dolphins can make this at least be a respectable game, I think that is a big step forward for this team. Even if it means that New England plays sloppy, maybe there's a way that the Dolphins have forced some errors as opposed to it just being New England making the errors on their own. Um, whatever happens, I think if it if there is a way that the Dolphins can make it a competitive game, that would be a big moral victory for this team moving forward, particularly in light of how badly they were beaten in week one. So let's make score predictions for this one, Brain. I'll, I'll let you go first. What is the final score going to be on this Sunday when the New England Patriots come into Hard Rock Stadium? I think the Patriots are going to get on us early and often. Uh, I think the Dolphins will make an emphasis on trying to crack down on not giving up the big plays. Uh, but I think we we have nobody that can cover Julian Edelman. And it, Brady's probably not going to want to challenge Xavier Howard if he doesn't have to. So... I expect a huge game from Julian Edelman. Uh, hopefully we can do a much better job of stopping the run. If we can do that, then maybe we can hang in there and, and, and not give up a touchdown on every single drive, which is what seemed like happened last week against Baltimore. Uh, I think offensively it's going to be a struggle. Uh, and I, I think, you know, maybe we're able to put a couple of drives together. Maybe we put a couple of drives together in garbage time. What I'm looking for is, uh, like you said, I want to see Xavier Howard do his thing on the outside. I want to see Kenyon Drake get involved. I want to, uh, I want to see, can, can we get two good games in a row from Devontae Parker as far as like, can he still show up and be winning those 50 50 balls? Um, I think it's going to be tough. I think. The Patriots ultimately are going to wear us down and they're going to score almost at will. I got the Patriots winning this one 45 to 17. Wow. I'm going to go slightly lower scoring just in that I think the Patriots are going to just do some systematic drives down the field. They're going to do a lot of those seven and eight minute drives that they're known for. So there's not going to be so much time for them to score as many points, but I still... I said, st- what, what is happening over there? Sorry, 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 sorry. Go ahead. What is happening over that. there? I keep hearing your voice echoing back to me. This is My really bad. outrageous having some technical issues over there. Uh, I, I think the Patriots are going to win this game by a score of 34 to 7. Dolphins will get one score. Patriots are going to get 34 points. And uh, the Dolphins will drop to 0 and 2. The Patriots. We'll go to 2-0, and and the Dolphins will move on to the next step in their dream. Was it uh, the Chargers next or the Cowboys next for the Dolphins? <laughs> the Cowboys next, which is another uh, right. blowout waiting to So happen. it's, uh, listen, it's going to be rough sledding for the Dolphins here. We knew the first month of this season was going to be really difficult, and, uh, you know, it's it's proving to be that way. But listen, maybe these Dolphins will surprise us. And, you know, that's why you watch the games, because, as they say, on any given Sunday, anything is possible. Brain, tell the people where they can find you. Can find me on Twitter. At Aaron the Brain. And I am at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins on Twitter. That's at 
same old dolphins. Every episode of the show is on the dolphinstalk.com podcast network. So visit dolphinstalk.com every day for all of your latest news, opinions, and columns on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, a lot of great podcasts over there as well. Dolphinstalk.com daily, fins up, fans down, two old dolphins, uh, perfectville. A lot of great shows over there in the dolphinstalk.com podcast network. So make sure that you are giving each and every one of them a follow. Some good folks over there on the family. We've got the Facebook page, facebook.com slash same old dolphins, where we've got every show up as well. And of course, every episode is available to you. If you download, rate, review, subscribe on Apple, podcast. We appreciate a five-star rating. We appreciate you leaving a nice review for us. So uh, thank you in advance for doing that. Of course, we're also on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, pretty much everywhere, Google Play, everywhere you get your podcasts, you can find the same old Dolphin Show. If there is somewhere that you want us to be that we are not yet, let us know where that is and we'll see what we can do to get that sorted out for you. In the meantime, we will see all of you again back here after the game on Sunday, and we will have all of the thoughts and we'll review it for you. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!